Howdy folks, it is Monday, November 7th, 2011. This is the Bad Dog Book Club, I believe it's episode 19B, believe it or oh not. Oh my goodness. And I am Skip Ruddertail, your auditor editor, your otter editor, and with me, as is often the case. Yep. Well, I mean like we only ended up doing like what, two shows apart or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I'm I'm Tunes's, by the way. Yeah. It's not my real name. <laughs> wow, that's that's uh Quite an introduction there. Uh, so yes, that that's Tunes's the yeah writing cat. Yeah, Tunes's the whatever cat, the adjectiving cat, the adjectiving cat. That's disgusting. Or the verbing cat. <laughs> the ver- oh, that's really disgusting. <laughs> if it was adverbing, we'd be sickened and have to shut it off. So. Uh, All right, I'm now, not even thinking. Yeah. So this week's story is the onerous one by Vixie Fox, as read by Vivia. So, you know, it's exciting. I'm, I said in my little intro last week, or I guess a week and a half ago, uh, that I was excited about this story because finally, 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 after 18 episodes, we have a female author and okay. a female reader. Now, just real quick before we get any further, let's mm-hmm. assign blame. Who's at fault for this? Female okay, authors and readers for not sending us things. Okay, you want to defect blame. It's fault. clearly my fault. Clearly my fault, I think, and your fault. Too. Ah. Because we should have sought out some female authors I, earlier. I said things, but yes, I was, I was very you know, I just completely disregarded the whole like matter. And mm. now that I realize it's 19 episodes, and I just feel embarrassed. Yes, exactly. Me and too. And I'm blaming you, because you embarrassed me. Oh, I'm sorry. Thanks, Skip. So here we are, both of us, embarrassed. Tunes's a gas. Bright red like a lobster. Filled with shame. This was an anime, the blood would be pouring out his nose. <laughs> it may That's as disgusting. well be. It may as well. It, it is. You can't those of you watching the video feed, we apologize. It's very graphic. Would it be would it be too mean to use the term weeaboo with this story? How do you how do you mean? I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just my gut reaction because I tend to find uh like Asian literature from a North American point of view, it seems I don't know. It's like it just doesn't intrigue me very much. Unless that's the term that you always use, like weeaboos for the uh, Americans that get obsessed with Japanese Is history. That, I thought it was otaku. Otaku. I think weeaboo is the mean version. Weeaboo is the mean version, which okay. I personally as a bully. I'm sure we'll get a million like hardcore anime people like writing in this week, going, like, "Oh my god, you guys are so wrong. It's actually." And then we'll be and corrected. Is, is, so is feel the, free um, to correct us. But what is the nationality of the writer? Is the writer I don't an American? Know. I don't know. See, see, we we, we finally figured out the, I the woman problem. Find, I can't find a uh, FA page for Vixie Fox. This is Vixie with two X's, but she is in the Furry Writers Guild. So you can look for her stuff there. All right. The Furry Writers Union? Yeah. Do we have an actual writer's union? I think we need something more like a union, like that is necessarily jacking up the charges for commissions. Well, the guild, you have to be, you can only be in it if you've been published. That's just the least. In at least two paying publications, I believe. See, now that's just another example of these white collar unions that come in and exclude the actual, like, real laborers. (laughs) I mean, geez, I'm crazy. You have to get published? No, no. I haven't. uh... In, In, like, print. 
in print. That's yeah, like an actual hold it in my hand. That's copy. ridiculous though, because how much of the actual furry so, stuff that you, you know, read once, is in print? Once Fang comes out, you you just need one more, and then you can be in the latest novel no, too. No, no, I'm just saying, how much of the actual furry stuff that you read is in print? I know that's I. That's, it's all digital, right? Without getting into a discussion in too much depth, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yay. I, I agree. Um, so yeah, this, so you know, feel free to check her out there. Um, but no, I don't know what country she lives in. Uh, this story was picked out for us. This story was picked out for us by uh, Andrew White Fox over at Rabbit Valley because one thing I've kind of, as in addition to giving a shout out to you authors who are listening in and saying send us stuff, I've also said to some publishers, hey, if you've got a collection that's coming out, send us a story from it. And we're, you know, we're happy to get the word out. So that's, you know, we got one of Rich Hand's stories out, and that that's coming out soon. And this is from a collection published by Rabbit Valley as well. So Move that product. Go. Move that product, yeah. Because we're all in this Spend together, it. guys. You know, it's it's too small. Uh, it's the free uh, writing community is too small to be stabbing each other in the back or bisecting each other in half. Yeah, mm-hmm. Spend the money. So... Uh, so yeah, I hadn't, you know, I let An- I let Andrew pick the story out, um, but I enjoyed it. I-, I I enjoyed it. I don't think it was, you know, my favorite this season. It was. But I had right. a good time with it. Well, I was trying to get into the action mood. I just thought that the only the only issue was that it was so cut up. Like this one battle is being mm. expressed throughout, like the beginning of the story, through the different parts of the middle of the story, and then finally the climax of the story. And I just felt like. As like an action scene, it might have been better to maybe have a series of confrontations or something like mm. that. Well, I, here's what I I ask you then is, have you watched a lot of kung fu movies or red stories or even like you know talking like Bruce Lee stuff I, or some of the Japanese ones or even like more recent kind of homage works that are half homages like Kill Bill? Yeah, I've seen a few of those. Whatever. <laughs> like it, yes, in parties, no. like in parties, like people like put on a kung mm-hmm. fu movie, and I don't know if I remember what it was called, but I mean, I like watching the fight scenes. Is here's the thing: is I understand I'm I'm approaching this from a person who is not necessarily maybe this is being written for, right? Because I'm I'm a bit ignorant to it, mm-hmm. and I like fight scenes. I like things like that, and that's what I wanted to be appealed to. Is I'm like you know my interest in violence. Uh huh. And there is violence here, but. I guess what I was trying to get at is, you said one of the problems is kind of maybe the flow or the the temporal aspect of the story. You're not yeah. wild about. Oh, I'm sure you loved it though, right? I don't know. Well, well let me. I want to give my take on it anyway. Uh-huh. Uh Which is this is a common trope in these kung fu movies, and I'm going to use one that I assume most of our listeners had seen because it, it was a pretty popular movie, and it's probably my favorite Tarantino film. You know, Kill Bill, mm-hmm. no, I've seen and you remember in, in Kill. This is, so remember in the second part, uh, she gets buried alive in yes. the box, in the that coffin. That was the first part. I think it's the second part. Pretty sure it's one of them. It's one movie technically, right? It is one movie. Yes, I've seen true. both parts. So in Kill Bill, yeah, <laughs> one or two, uh, she gets buried alive in the coffin, and she you know sits there and like freaks out and. Then we get a flashback to when she was being trained in martial arts mm-hmm. by the wise old master. Right. And we learn the story of, you know, practicing and including the thing where she's supposed to break a board with no 
you know, space and, and, and then, you know, because that, that, he has to. And then it ends up with her using this, cuts back to using her with the same technique to, you know, free herself from the coffin. And this is, a, a, and what Tarantino's doing is straight homage to a lot of kung fu movies where you cut back to how did, you know, the movie starts off with our hero being a badass. Mm-hmm. Very often. Or our story here starts off with our hero being a badass. And then we cut back through flashbacks to how did our hero get to be a badass? Or sometimes, why did our hero start on the journey to be a badass? So, you know, sometimes it'll be like, what hap- what bad thing happened to them in their past to, you know, like lead them to seek revenge or training or whatever. Um, and yeah, so I'm that's kind of what's going on here is, is this, this story of, so we're, we're cutting back to see how did our hero get to be this way? And we learn, we even go to the Kung Fu you know, stereotype of a specific instance in the past that, that directly translates to a specific instance in the present, which was hearing the birds. Right. Uh, so that, that's what I'm seeing. So that didn't bother me because I felt like it was a style of storytelling that I was familiar with, that I, I understood the lexicon. I'm wondering about you and the author have, have both had experience in these kinds of movies, though. So mm-hmm. you, you're just educated in this mm-hmm. model of storytelling, right? Right. Though, if we are looking for parallels to kung fu stories, and I think we see a lot here. We look, you know, we have the wise master, who's old. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Kill Bill, the guy with the beard, you know. Right. Um, and it is like a sort of revenge tale, and there's a magical weapon, a magical sword, and that's straight up. It's a magical or if sword? not, if not, ma- well, in this I case, I didn't get the impression it was magical. They were just trying to imbue with some kind of mystical. Well, sense. there's a lady in the sword that talks to him, so I think that's kind of magical. It's, you don't have to take that at face value. You need to raise on some good. Do you trims. really? Maybe, maybe that's it, what they're doing. I don't know. Maybe when I was just when I, I read these, I just imagine a person having some kind of prescient psychotic fit. No, I, is that and, wrong? I, I, no. It's not wrong, because that's your interpretation. And it's informed by your own experience in reading other stories. So, you know, no, your interpretation is valid. Okay, so I'm going to go on record. The sword's not talking to him. But there was a lady in the smoke, right? I say, well, right. I say the sword, that is the manifestation of the sword. Um, Now, even if the sword isn't magical in a lot of these movies, it's a very important sword. And they're obviously Western motifs like this, too. And we could look at Lord of the Rings, for instance, you know, where... It's not a magical sword, but, you know, Bilbo's sword or Aragorn's sword is a very important sword, or a special sword, which mm-hmm. gives the user, to an extent, importance. Importance. Yeah. Well, and there's, a, there's an awful lot of talk about, like, honor mm-hmm. and, and, and respect and mm-hmm. such lofty premises and, mm-hmm. in the story as well. I thought it was kind of funny, like in the in the last scene when Marcel the Abi Chaz finally humiliated himself. Oh, he, he it's described as like oh his honor had poured out like urine from a pig or something like Which that. Which is like, a great metaphor if you've ever seen a pig pee. I mean, I remember <laughs> that like living in the village. We've all been to the 4-H fair, yeah. Oh, so I remember, been, okay. yeah, and it's just it's pretty graphic. So I thought that was a really nice image, actually. Because uh, they just kind of let go, so yeah, I thought that was uh, very descriptive. I just very thought descriptive. It, I always want to see like a um, 
a bad character who is portrayed in kind of gray lights, but you're not mm-hmm. getting that here at all. Like, this guy is pretty much defined as being miserable. And almost like out of necessity, because you don't really like, it doesn't, doesn't talk, like say so much about what his offenses were. It's just established yeah. that he's a and bad Yeah, and I think dude. that's maybe the part of the story that if I feel there is a problem with story, that's my problem. Is that if we are looking at kind of a traditional, you know, kung fu type story, well, let's take that argument for a moment. Um, there needs to be, you know, and if he's out to get this guy, we don't know why Tori is out to get this guy. We know that this guy's bad and he's a bandit and he kills people, but there's no personal reason. For Tori to be going after him, Unless and I think in a lot of kung, I mean it. the the main, you know, the the most traditional kung fu story would be that uh, Marcel de Oppi killed his master Bonnetti somehow. Yeah, but not his master. But that doesn't happen. Right. moment. Right. Blading the sword shuffled him away. Yeah, exactly. It was his time. Oh, clearly. Which I actually like that part. We can get to that in a second. But there isn't that classic. Uh, Kung Fu story, reason for revenge, and I think, and I'm, I mean, why do you think? I'm trying to figure out, and I don't know if you have an idea, I, but I, I'm trying I, to figure out why that isn't there. Because I got the impression that the main point of the story wasn't revenge, but trumpeting the sense of honor and dignity, and and the sense of steadfastness that is ne- necessary for reaching this level of. Um, uh, of achievement and so on like that. But is it honorable to kill this guy when he's done nothing personally to you? I don't think that's really at question in the story. That's just what I feel the problem is. Is It's when you don't give the bad character any kind of like gray area within which you can maybe empathize with him, you can't really consider this any other way, but oh, yeah, this bad dude's getting killed. Whatever. Well, there's no motivation for the bad guy. You need some conflict and there. Kind to of in a the way, there's not a lot of motivation for the good guy. Oh, get, I mean, you, you get a motivation guy. for the good guy because he's he's living on the the memory of his of his master or something like that. I mean, it's a kind or of is a he just standard like, maybe motivation. Maybe he's like but... Sam in Quantum Leap, like he's just there the right wrongs, you know, whatever they are. Yeah. <laughs> but then you're right. Then I mean, we kind of have, and I can see that. So maybe he is just a, you know, here is a bad person, There's and nobody else is stopping him, and I'm going to because nobody else is, and that's a valid reason I think for a story but then as you said there's no kind of motivation for this bad guy and neither is there any conflict because it seems portended from the beginning that uh, the result of this fight is clear I mean Tori's gonna kill this dude obviously and I mean I was willing we to assume anyway, I was willing yeah. to assume that from the first and mm-hmm. I was willing to be upset in my assumption but I clearly wasn't was I Mm-mm. no, no. And I mean, if you, it's... I do like how the story neatly bookends with itself. You know, starting with the perfect cut and ending with the perfect yeah, cut. But I feel like you can have that. You can have this kind of preordained outcome sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or people see it coming, but they want to at least be thrown into doubt at somewhere mm-hmm. along the line. But when you have a character who is so thinly developed and so uh, unmotivationally driven, it's kind of hard as a, as a reader to imagine the even just the writer just having any sort of regard for that character. Do you think the story was too short for you? That probably is it. I mean, it kind of just could have used some, some nice fleshing out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, it's interesting. I think maybe... I guess that was my thing. You know, I'd feel like... Yeah, there needs to be something more 
about Marcel de Ape or some kind of relationship between the two, somehow. Because there isn't a relationship. Oh, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily have to be that. And I, I would have been able to... to... And I'm not meaning I've got an unfunded relationship, despite the nature of our show very often. I wasn't suggesting that. <laughs> I could have enjoyed just some very detailed and illustrative battle scenes. Mm-hmm. But I felt as if even the battle scenes themselves were, were dedicated to this philosophizing, if I'm not butchering that word, I forget, mm-hmm. uh, on the, the, the nature of battle and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's it seems very Which literary. I kind of liked. Some, I kind yeah, of liked Yeah, that's cool. That. It, yeah, I, I figured I you did. would like that. I wanted to like hear about blades cutting things open mm-hmm. and clashing against each other and not... It read more like a like a a, um, a game of chess mm-hmm. than it read like a, a high action kung fu battle yeah. like you might see in a scene. And, 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 and I like, suppose okay. maybe that's the difference between a Bruce Lee movie and a Kurosawa movie or something. You know where you've got or like um, uh, it's like watching a, a kung fu movie where you can tell they just did not have much for the budget and the choreography. Well, no, no, no. I, I won't say what I'd say. I, I get what you're saying, and my reply would be that the pacing of the story is a non-Western pacing. Um, it doesn't mean you can't have battle. A lot of, if you look at um, martial arts books or films, a lot of times, if you look at, say, Kurosawa, for instance, the pacing in many ways feels incredibly slow to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yet at moments, I'm thinking of like uh, Beat Takashi's Fireworks here, You've got, like, sublime beauty punctuated by brief interludes of extreme violence. Mm-hmm. You know, but most of the time, if you know, the, the pond is still, and then, you know, you throw dynamite in, and then the pond's still again for most of the time. And I think this story kind of plays a little bit with that framework, um, where you have, you know, kind of a lot of these back scenes, and it moves kind of slowly, but then you have... And the moments of violence are spectacular, but very brief. But maybe they weren't spectacular enough for you. Mm, I don't know. I just I, I thought because the, the author clearly has like a, a talent for good imagery. Mm-hmm. I just would have wanted more of it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really about it. It, it kind of reminds me. Okay, so like uh, they had the the fasting in the story mm-hmm. with the rice. I just would have wanted more rice. Uh-huh. I was I was tired of fasting. Uh-huh. You're tired of fasting. Yeah. I like that. I like that. <laughs> That is maybe my favorite bit in the story. Oh, he got the first scoop of rice. Good for him. Yes. Well, that... that <laughs> you're so sarcastic. <laughs> I don't know. I just couldn't get into no, the No, I, I really liked... Uh, yeah, that's that's my favorite line. Is Tori knew he would forever remember this moment. One week without food, and now this first spoonful of rice. It was such an honor. That's what I... I don't know. I think that's the kind of essence oh, the of the story. Payoff. And somehow... Yeah. When he gets... It's the, the benediction from his master, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it's supposed to be, like, a pleasant scene. Yeah. Um, no, uh, so... You did bring up a point when we were chatting over burgers at dinner, though. Um, where you asked me, you know, are some stories furrier than others I think but maybe you want to yeah because one uh, one other thing and I actually empathize with this I, I kind of like this about this story I want to say, uh, say first because I feel it's 
actually a bit mirrored in my own work, but I feel sometimes that there's not as much much concentration in a story on what a furry world really is. And in this sense, if you want to like, you know, just uh, express it in, in the in the worst way, it's like using furry stand-ins for any kind of human characters you might mm-hmm. might make and just put them in any kind of human world that might have existed. Right. I mean, does it, right? Does does the fact that Tori is a raccoon does that bug you? Is and what I was curious about Marcel de Oppie, Does the fact that he is a raccoon and a wolf, respectively, does that alter the story yeah. at all? No, because actually, the one thing I was thinking when I was reading the story was okay. If anything could make this more uncomfortable, it would be like awkward depictions of these animal, of these people's animal characteristics and how it's implicating uh, the battle. I think I would have found that just way a bit too. Hmm. <laughs> Like almost like technical or tedious. No, it's it's an interesting question. I think it's something that anybody who is a furry author wrestles with at one point or another. Like, why am I writing furry as opposed to regular people? Or even, I suppose you could say, why am I writing oh, no. furry as opposed to elves or orcs? See, no, that, that's more, like, I, I'm not so confused about that. I don't know exactly why I'm writing about furries. So I why are you appeal, writing about furries? I want to appeal to furries, who are, as a community themselves, it's easy to understand furries themselves and want to appeal mm-hmm. to them, but mm-hmm. I am curious sometimes as to why, within that spectrum, mm-hmm. I become a bit more pushed toward the conservative, I, I'd say. I've been accused by non-furries who I've been telling about like the furry community of being a camp follower and they want to say well all i see is like well you have friends here mm-hmm. um you have an audience for your writing mm-hmm. uh i just think you're you're going along with it just have a social thing to do and that didn't sound so inaccurate but it just it just sounds like a well i mean it sounds like they're classifying or they're being yeah. dismissive of your participation in the community and as if I could be an anthropologist for a moment, I kind of say that's bullshit. Uh, the the fact that you are participating in the community makes you a member of it now. And I'd say that people participate in different ways and to different degrees and have different. Tastes. So just because you don't, right and have different tastes. So you know just because but, you don't have a fursuit and go to every con. And, you know, commission, you know, 20 pictures of yourself every year doesn't mean you're not a furry. I mean, maybe you don't go to any... And there are plenty of furries that don't go to any cons, But isn't measure, just a level of, of, of involvement, even just to think of it in terms of, like, loyalty? You no, know what I, I think am? people you know, find the you know involvement that works for them. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a periphery. <laughs> That's good. Right. I, I think, honestly, people... You know, the important thing is to find... The degree of involvement that works for you, that well, makes sense to you, it makes you feel comfortable. Don't you think the people, more, the people more centrally involved in it, are much more liable to be acting as tastemakers? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, can... that that can be true, absolutely. But is that important to be a tastemaker? Well, yeah, I'd say because okay, for one thing, if you want to, uh, one thing you can argue this story might be beset with is an over reliance on these established form mm-hmm. of a kung fu narrative mm-hmm. as you were saying i mean that's just another way of reading it mm-hmm. and that's something that happens if you're not as involved with the construction of these norms yourself mm-hmm. if you're someone who's just kind of on the outside seeing what the uh the established have done and trying to mimic them i mean that's there's an interesting line though i think and and i'm not 
saying that this story necessarily gets there because I don't think I don't well, know if it quite a- does. But there's an interesting line that I think you can cross um, if you have paid enough attention to something and studied it enough, and you know, starting out mimicking it enough, eventually you start producing it yourself. And, you know, so maybe we do want to look at things like, well, we've talked about Kill Bill, um, which I would argue crosses the line from homage into actually part of the genre. Or if we want to look at music, look at um, the Rolling Stones in their blues recordings, which started out in their earlier albums as, you know, covers in an homage to the blues. And I'd say by their the height of their period, were actually contributing to the genre as blues artists in and of themselves. Um, and so I think you can get to that. So I think what state. you're arguing essentially is that furry is a gateway drug. No. There's something furrier. No, not at all. I'm saying there's infinite variation within, and there are many paths and ways to participate. That's one of the things about it that appeals to me the variation in what is produced and how one produces and consumes and participates. Which do you prefer, like, the more deeply, like, involved furry descriptions of things or the less? That's a good question. Because I definitely prefer the less. I absolutely prefer the less because I feel anytime you get Mm -hmm. too deep into it, it's it's getting too self-reflective and not really worth examining. That's a good question because I think it depends on the story. It's something that I personally have to take on a case-by-case basis, I feel like. Um, if it stands out to me or feels awkward in some way or notable that this is really furry or really not, I'd say it's probably not working. Um, for instance, Kim Hirosaki's story in the last episode, our, our little weasel friend did make this observation that, you know, oh, well, you know, his, I liked his, you know, musk. It wasn't as strong as my boyfriend's, which is sometimes overpowering. And I kind of like that as an observation, because there's always, in all these furry stories, like that, the M word now seems to be, you know, if you read so furry, it's musk this, musk that. Everyone likes smelly dudes. Everyone likes smelly dudes, right. But this was an example where I liked it because it wasn't an observation of, oh, this is so great. It was an observation of, you know, an animal with a sensitive nose it's too much and I thought that was kind of an because we hadn't seen that kind of observation I felt like in a lot of furry stories so I kind of appreciated that um, and I know we've talked about before uh, in some books like Kyle Gold really doesn't touch on too much in his um, Argea, his kind of medieval books but in his more contemporary world books there are references to species and laws and racism and ability in sports in, in, in ways that are interesting and do that kind of sci-fi thing of commenting on our own attitudes and laws surrounding right. race. So that case, I'd say it's very skillfully deployed. But yes, there are stories where it kind of jumps out at you as something that, you know, boy, this feels tacked on, maybe. Or it, or it just stands out. So I think you could go either way. I think you can be... Like, this is very lightly furry like it wouldn't really change the story at all if tori wasn't a raccoon if he were just some dude um and you know this is maybe the hardest kind of so somebody there is the age-old question i think that authors get too so is 
well, why are you writing in furry? What do you say when people ask you that? I, I said earlier because I want to appeal to the furry audience and I like the furries. They're nice. Yeah, you like the furry. Yeah, right, and that's nice a people. great answer. But people are like, well, in the story, why does it have to be furries? And I it's like, I could change it. why doesn't it have to be furries? I think it's kind of the opposite. Or I think furries are hot. Like, I really that's a think good answer. A- that's a fine answer to say, I think, you know, raccoon guys are hot. There you I don't go. think, like, artistically, there's not anything preventing me from translating my story just into peoples and then, like, mm-hmm. posting them on, like, human sites. Yeah. I'm just not interested in And I in think it. in this story there isn't either. Um, but I think that's okay, is what I'm trying to say after this long roundabout discussion. Yep. Hey, you know what I don't see a lot of in stories, though? Uh. Comments. Oh. Well, see, well, I don't is post no, a lot okay, of stories. Here's so. what happened. Okay, so, mm-hmm. like, what happened, like, two or three weeks ago, FA went into file-read-only mode, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Right? So I was just like, okay, so I'm just going to go read a bunch of stories, catch up on my reading, because mm-hmm. no one's going to post any new, sto- any new pictures. And uh, I would look at it, like, I, I'm just looking at like, the past month or so of stories, and every time I, I found a story that I liked, I would go down and I'd be the first person commenting on it. Mm-hmm. Not like, maybe like, they have 12, 13, 14, 15 favorites and 300, 400 views, and not a single person had said a thing about these stories yet. Mm-hmm. I always think if, if you read something, you should just say something about it. And I kind of feel as if like, you, that's just showing you processed it and how to respond within yourself. And it's weird if it takes just to read something and have nothing to say. Mm-hmm. That's all I got to say. It's like, is that is that F.A. though? Or, I mean, it's, it seems I like feel it's, like uh, I see usually some comments on So Furry. I'm just comparing it to how people comment on pictures. Right. And maybe it's unfair that's to true, make that comparison true. because it's a lot easier to di- digest a picture. But yeah. you have to imagine that if you get if you get 300 views and two comments, does that mean only two people finished your story? That's kind of this, this heartening. I don't think so. I don't think so. But then does that mean that, like, okay, so how, if you want to make a conservative estimate, how many people actually read that story? Mm, I don't know. Well, a lot of people, I don't think, bothered to rate it or anything. Or... Yeah, I'd imagine, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just very disheartening. I but... think part of it is it's F.A. I mean, I love F.A. I check it every day. I'm not one of the F.A. haters. Um, but I don't think it's a story site. I don't consider it a story site. It's a social site. That's it's, why I'm on it's, it. It's a social site and it's an art site. I mean, it, it's a cross between, you know, like DeviantArt and, and Facebook, you know, for furries. And, I mean, that's what it is. I don't consider it really a strong story venue at all because I think culturally and historically it isn't. You know, so people do post stories there, of course. And but that's experience. not where people go... And, and I would argue, you know, so furry, for instance, is way more likely for people to go if they specifically want a story. That's true, but th- there isn't as much of a culture for commenting on so furry, it seems. Actually, on so furry, you can get a larger audience, many more views and many more favorites, but mm-hmm. you might not get even maybe one or two more comments yeah. for it. It's like, I think is that's it, because it isn't a social Exactly, that's why, like, that's why I usually prefer FA, just because people, they have, people are more social in general on mm-hmm. FA, it seems. But that's only even then just, it's just such a low standard for stories. Yeah. So can, can we just start encouraging people to comment on sure, stories, we please? Can, you can say, I'm going to let you do this as an author. Make your appeal no, to I'm, the audience. No, not just as an author, just people in general. Come on, okay. just comment on stories, everybody. And tell your friends to I, 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 I confess, I don't often do it. Either. Why? I, o- I always comment on a story. Well, if, if I like it enough, I write them and say, can we do this on the podcast? And then we dissect it. <sighs> so and then we really comment on the story. That's not. That's like once exception. every two weeks. It at is. Best, then. I mean, it come is, on, yeah. leave comments for people. Okay, I should. 
I'll, I mean, it's I'll kind of self. But just think, I, I okay. So maybe I, I, I shouldn't be doing this. But I always just mm-hmm. think of it in terms of like production mm-hmm. and labor. Well, it's a big motivator too. You know, because you're not being paid for this if you post it on Sofri, and it's like, well, why am I doing this if nobody's listening? Um, That's always a very. And you're, real hopefully, concern. you're doing it for yourself. But it definitely is nice to have people listen. I, I was. It's the one thing I have trouble. You know, assuaging people with. When they're they're coming to me for like for help or motivation with writing, like like if they say, "Oh, I'm just not so sure," I might put around. Oh, you can you can you can get better at that. You can practice. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not sure if I'll be able to 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 have fun. Oh, you can always find time. But oh, but what if nobody reads it? I can't make more people read it. Yeah. I mean, there's a probably a very good chance no one no one's gonna comment on it. Yeah. Like how? It's just the, it's just the truth. Yeah. And, and people and, people and, post one or two stories. Yeah. They get and no I'd argue comments the most important thing is to write it for yourself. But yeah, it's nice to have people read it. Well, I'm <laughs> it's about, very okay, nice to have people read it. I do so. want to say I'm talking about publishing here. I think mm-hmm. writing that generally always should be for yourself, but I'm talking about publishing mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Right. You should be able to be publish harsh. on FA with and get some kind of response. Mm-hmm. If that's I don't what know if I'll do that, doing. but I'll do it on... I really don't read on FA, but I do read on Sofury. So I'll okay. do that. Okay, I'll, I'll Everybody, promise start comments commenting some more. You guys can hold me to that. Um, it was, oh, you know, one thing, I, I did want to bring this up, and I'm not done with it yet, uh, so I'll have to let you know more next time. But, you know, we've, we've had our new Kindles, mm-hmm. which we've both been enjoying, I know. Yep. And, uh, you know, we get these little offers every week or two, and I think a couple weeks ago, one of the offers was like, over a thousand books, only a dollar each. You know, with this coupon, you could pick one coupon? with this coupon code. Cool. So I did that. I was like, well, dollar, okay. And they had some really good books, you know, by good people. And then they had a lot of not-so-good-looking books. What did you get? I ended up getting uh, Tempting the Beast oh, by Laura no. Lee. What's Lay. this? Well, it is a romance book. So this is, you know, this is a porn book for women, in other okay. words. Yes. Plus you. Porn book for right plus me R- women and gay guys, uh, and about a woman who falls in love with a lion man. A lion man. And these are her books apparently. Like she has ones that are like cat people, human, and and wolf people and coyote people, and and she has this whole series. So I decided I you know I like I just picked this one at random out of like the five of hers they had this deal for. And so, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'll give you the full verdict when I'm done with it. But I'm, it, what's, there are a couple things that, intri- that intrigue me so far about it. Is that here is a story of a woman who has fallen in love with a lion man. Which sounds pretty furry, right? Sounds rather furry. Sounds very furry. Yeah. But... Yeah, at least as far as I know, there's no indication on her website or anything, that Laura Lee is not a furry. Oh, no. And so it started me thinking, so what are... And, and this dovetails with, I think, your earlier points here about, you know, how furry is a story. And here's a story that I would argue is inherently furry, written by somebody who isn't. And I'm saying isn't... Maybe it's the difference between being gay and being a man who has sex with other men. And that, it's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying here? Yeah. Like, that it's a cultural thing. It's uh-huh. like, you know, I, you know, let's say I'm a guy who, you know, every so often 
you know, has sex with my bud. Yeah, you just know, go out and, you know, suck a dick. But I, I'm married, and I don't, you know, I don't go to pride parades. I don't go to bar, you know, gay mm-hmm. clubs or anything. I don't yep. have anything to do with the lifestyle. You know, I've never picked up an issue of advocate in my life or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is that person gay? And I'd argue not really, because culturally, you know, if if it's a social thing. They're a guy who has, they're a man who has sex with men. They're an MSM, but they're right. not gay. Cool. And That's maybe this is maybe she is maybe she is a um, a person who writes furry or what, what was it PWR so, or PWF. Person who writes furry, yeah. right? You know, without being a furry herself. And so that's interesting. And so I wonder, readers. Um, if you want to comment in, have you read any of these stories, or do you know, you know, do you have any experience these, and and do you consider this furry writing? Well, that's a periphery. Even if they're not in the committee, uh, the community, you know, if they're not participating, if they're not an FA or going to conventions or hanging out with friends right. who are furries or any of the other variety of ways that we connect with the community, um, that's why I'd say you're still a furry. There you go. Sure. Because you do connect with the community in sort these various kinda. ways. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Got um, the other thing which blew my mind. Okay, so now we're getting we're getting into the perverted side of things. So it oh, is no. a romance story, which if you haven't read romance books, and these are like I mean, you go in the you know the airport bookstore and you can pick these up. You know, romance novels, and you can tell because they're the torso books, as I say. Right. Yeah. There's always a guy's like ripped torso books. on the cover. The Fabia books is what I was. Yeah, which about. I was joking about. You know, I said, "Oh, that's gonna be my first furry novel. It's just gonna be a torso on the cover." <laughs> and then we're like, "Oh, wait a minute! Kyle Gold's Pen and a Fortune is basically a tour, a couple torsos on the cover." So there you go. <laughs> Bam. Um, but yeah, so that'll be my first, and it'll be called like Torsos by Skip Rudder Tail, just rippling with oil, you know. Which is gross and furl. I just tell think you. it's great that wherever you go, you find like the regional variants on these things. When I was mm-hmm. back in Amish country, I saw like Amish romance novels, like nice. the, the girl who's out on Rum Springer, or the the the, nice. the, the, uh, the outsider who's trying to gain admittance. And so, what are her? Or I always really? love that family guy bit, you know, where it's like the 1920s porn, and she's like, "Oh, look at her vote, that dirty girl." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but. So, you know, there's lots of sex in this book so far, about halfway through. And they've had sex several times, her and this lion guy. Here's the part that is freaking me out, though. He has a barb. Really? A barb. Like, singular. Singular? Singular barb, because he is a lion guy. Oh. Because, you know, like, I mean, you've read the stories with, like, cat guys. And, like, yeah. oh, the barbs. And they really uh-huh. scrape me. And you're like, ow. But anyway. Right. <laughs> unless you're into that. But, yeah, he has a single barb. Oh, and wow. I want to go to her. I'm like, how did you come to, like, that yeah. agreement? Wow. I, I mean, like, this is this is her. And, and just trying to picture it in my head. I, I mean, I want to, like, commission a drawing. From somebody, like, go to Blotch and be like, okay, draw me a lion guy with a bar. <laughs> and I think it's, like, right where the frenulum is. That's kind of how I'm picturing it, but I could be wrong. But she's always, like, oh, being, That's like, fantasizes in your scratched, head. her itch scratched Ew. by this barb. And she's like, what is Why that? Why are you reading this? Because it's, oh, it's, sorry, it's girl sex. Like, I apologize. Just, there's sex with a okay. woman in there. I didn't you can't mean to freak use, you out. You I did use, not mean to, like... <laughs> That's Talk about things in a vagina. I apologize. Not, uh, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. You can't use your sociological interest in, in just things to to very like give yourself license to read about read about gross barbs. I don't know. I can't I? 
No, I'm, I'm, I'm Why just saying you can't. Why the hell not? Because it sounds awful. <laughs> it does. It does sound awful. So yeah, so send anybody. Uh, if you have a no. idea of how the, sing- uh, the monobarf works, why? send your pictures to <laughs> skip you know at baddogbookclub.com. You can you cannot send that. The you winning send prize. The winning prize. What is wrong with you? Oh my word! What will you, what, the winning prize will be a, a thousand word story about you by Tunes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No way. This is why I'm thousand like, words. No, see, it doesn't is... even have to feature the monobarb in it. I'm willing to do that for you. This is where I call my ride and go home from the party. <laughs> You're we're at your house. <laughs> I'm speaking metaphorically. You know? Uh huh. Uh-huh. So yeah, there you go. If if you have an idea of how the monobarb works, send your uh, entries to. Skip I don't want to hear this. Book Club. See, not because my characters always have like human dongers. Cause yeah, that's what I. That's, that's what, okay. It's cool. We talked about that before. I don't know. People ask for like knots and stuff. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll write a knot for you. Whatever. Yeah. Kind of okay. There was a nice. There, ooh, there was a good story in Sofer. Kind of talking about that a little bit. And, you know, he doesn't like having a knot because it's inconvenient. And it was, once again, it was Poor one of those God. moments where mm. it was like, it's kind of neat to see that in a story because we don't normally. So, anyway. Um, anyway, yes. Uh, it was a good story, really. Could have been better, but I liked it. Yeah. I think, like I said, I think it was, I, I liked a lot of the things it was doing. The only thing I would have said is have a little more connection between the characters and a little more reason, but I, the story worked for me. Uh, so just flesh it out a little bit. Just it reads a little bit like a first draft or something. And and you can, and and if, if you did like the story, uh, you can buy it and the other stories in the collection, Tales from the First Side, uh, which is available from our friends at Rabbit Valley. Sure, buy so, books. So you know, we always say if, if thing, you though, haven't published not just yet, commenting, but like buy books. buy books, like just buy, like yeah, absolutely support, support. Is what I'm absolutely, it's like everything you want to do is going to help yeah, absolutely. people. So yeah, rabbitvalley.com. Encourage people to write. And it's Tales from the First Side by Vixie Fox. And it's, I guess each story is paired with a illustration by Dark Natasha. That's another That's reason cool. to buy. There I you guess. go. Good stuff. Biography. Yes. So uh, yeah, and anything else you want to add? Oh, you know, I did, I do have to admit my failure this week. What happened? Well, I said we'd discuss, we'd give a little five, ten minute review of Bridges. And I lost track of time and did not get it finished last night like I wanted to. So we'll do that next time. And I apologize because Toonces here was like so ready to do it and I was not. So that's my bad, folks. We'll do that next time. Um, And I think Toonces is, uh, he has a story for us next week, which you're going to read yourself, right? Yeah, sure. May as well. Cool. From, uh, I don't know, it goes by Scandal Waiting to Happen on FA or something like that. All right. Well, we look forward to hearing it. So. Anyway, uh, anything else to add? Let's say that's it. I have my I have a Penn State joke. Oh God! That's really not. You can't really set up as a joke. It's just been like a mean thing people have been saying, which is that Penn State has this unfair competitive advantage because they can start their recruiting at age eleven. Oh, oh! Send just, complaints to. I just wanted to pass it along. At bad dog no, no, no. Okay, it's not com. even that offensive. I just want to pass pass this along to register. This is the moment that I became absolutely disgusted yeah. with. It's just weird because like from, no, he's from near right yeah, near state college. State so. college is more or less where I'm from. This is like mm-hmm. a like a, like and it, and I, I I knew somebody who knew somebody personally. And like it's not, it's really there's one of these weird things where you ever you know somebody who knows somebody yeah. who was involved yeah. personally. 
crazy. Terrible. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start making fun of Penn State. Like so this, yeah, this is the Tim firing gun. Tim says has to find a new college team to root for. This is the so. starting pistol on me making fun of Penn State for the rest of my natural existence. There you go. Is that what I'm saying? There you go. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, oh, and and hopefully you'll be back in town. Yep. Next episode. Yep. So hopefully he'll be moving back officially, returning to yep. DC. Yep. So I'm excited about that because I miss having him around. Yep. And you know, I was glad you're able to do it today here. Thanks, so, Had a good time. Yeah, yeah good. So we'll, we'll keep dinner. our fingers crossed for that, and uh, we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Bye, everybody. Ciao. Peace.